This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Like all public radio stations, WDFH depends on financial support from our listeners. Please visit WDFH.org and click on Donate to make your tax-deductible gift. Shows like this can't be done without your support. Thanks, and now, Outcasting. I was in Albany last year lobbying on behalf of marriage equality as a rabbi and encountered there many, many very Orthodox and some Hasidic Jews who really believe strongly that if the state passed civil marriage, it would violate God's plan for the world. And I kept saying to them that although I disagreed with them, I loved them and believed that we just had a disagreement. And one of them said to me, because what you are doing shows that you hate God, I hate you too. This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBT youth struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite 90s cartoons, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH-FM 90.3 in Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org. Hi, I'm Travis. On this edition of Outcasting, we'll discuss the relationship between LGBT individuals and religion. Later in the program, Maddie will talk about her hair and perceived sexuality. With groups like the Westboro Baptist Church so prevalent in the media, it is a common misconception that all religious groups are vehemently opposed to the LGBT movement. But this isn't always the case. In this episode, David talks with Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum of Congregation Bet Simcha Torah, an LGBT synagogue located in New York City. Rabbi Kleinbaum is a recipient of the Woman of Valor Award given by the Jewish Fund for Justice. The Forward, a national Jewish weekly newspaper, and Newsweek have both named Rabbi Kleinbaum as one of the top 50 American rabbis. New York Jewish Week, another publication, named her as one of the 45 leading young American Jewish leaders in New York. She has been an activist since her college years and hasn't stopped since. Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum, thank you so much for joining us. I am very happy to be here. What inspired you to become such a strong advocate for the LGBT community? Well, I think I've always cared deeply about how religion gets used in our society. And often, especially with LGBT issues, religion has been used as a force of oppression and, frankly, of violence. And religion is used so often throughout the world as a force for some of the worst bigotry and prejudice that exists. So since I'm a very deeply religious person myself, I wanted to make sure that religion is also used as a force for liberation, not just a force for oppression, and that wherever religion is used uh, by people to do violence in the name of God, I believe we need to, those of us who care about religion, uh, make sure it's as visible to say that God uh, loves every single person who is created in this world, and not uh, just those who are using it as a way to enforce certain uh, social norms like sexuality. Did you run into religion-based opposition? Oh, I have throughout my my life and my and my career as rabbi of CBST, but I don't worry about it. I because I believe that those who hate in the name of religion are blaspheming God's name, and my job is to counter that kind of hate-filled energy. And I know for them it comes from a belief that they know what God wants, 
and they believe deeply what God wants. So, for instance, I was in Albany last year lobbying on behalf of marriage equality as a rabbi and um, as a deeply religious Jew, and encountered there many, many um, very Orthodox and some Hasidic Jews who really believe strongly that if the state passed civil marriage, it would violate God's plan for the world. And I kept saying to them that uh, although I disagreed with them, that I loved them and believed that we just had a disagreement. And one of them said to me, because what you are doing shows that you hate God, I hate you too. And I said to him, well, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. And he said to me, I will pray that you will die, because what you do is hateful to God in God's eyes. Now, that use of religion to me completely violates what I believe my Jewish uh, heritage teaches me. And I feel deeply sad for him, and for, and I feel sad that he's been taught this this motivation that he's been taken from his yeshiva by his rabbis to go to Albany to demonstrate against civil rights. Now, let's understand what we were talking about was civil rights for gay people, not religious rights. I respect the right of a religion to say that within my church or my synagogue or my mosque, we will not have religious ceremonies for gay people. I think that's absolutely okay. What I don't think it's okay is for these religious beliefs to say that civil marriage license is going to be governed by their religious beliefs. It would be as if the Catholic Church, which does not recognize divorce, were to say that anybody who's divorced can't get a civil marriage license because Catholics don't believe in sacrament for a divorced person. We would object to that. We would say the Catholic Church doesn't have the right to impose their religious beliefs, which they are free to practice within their church, on a civil marriage license. And that, I believe, is the same thing for those Orthodox Jews who object, uh, for the relig- for Catholics and for other people who say that we shouldn't have civil marriage because of their religious beliefs. That's not acceptable in a, in a secular society. I was honestly surprised to hear about the level of hostility you've, that you've been met with. I'm sorry to hear about that. Well, I, I believe that, uh, you know, that they're, uh, I feel sad for them. I really do. And um, I've experienced that at other times as well. We had a big demonstration here in New York City some years ago for World Pride, for an event in Jerusalem that would unite those progressive voices of all the different religious traditions, Muslim, Jewish, and Christian, in the city in which holiness is taken so seriously, to celebrate God's creation of all of us, including those of us who are gay or lesbian, bisexual, transgendered. And there was a um, demonstration here in Manhattan. 10,000 Hasidim from Brooklyn were bussed into Manhattan to demand that Israel not allow this demonstration to take place. And they, the, the hatred that they just spewed at us, they just kept chanting terrible things at us. One person at that demonstration said that I was worse than Hitler that Hitler was just destroying Jewish bodies, which was terrible. But by my saying that Jewish, gay, and lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people are equal to those Jews who are heterosexual, I was destroying the Jewish soul. So it, it just makes me more committed to the work I'm doing here at CBST and more committed to make sure that there are progressive religious voices that say, no, this is not the God we believe in. This is not the God we believe 
has given us our great Jewish tradition. And I know I have many colleagues in the Christian world as well who are doing the same thing. What was the hardest thing about coming out in a religious community? Well, by the time I, first of all, I, 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 did, I was in an Orthodox high school, uh, but I didn't really come out publicly until I was in college outside of the community. But I did feel very much like I was um, losing a deep connection. And I know that when I um, became visible as an openly lesbian rabbi, that the high school I went to, Frisch Yeshiva High School in Paramus, New Jersey, uh, was horrified that they had a graduate. First of all, a woman became a rabbi, but secondly, that I was so visible. And at one point, they, uh, the school actually took me off their alumni list, though I understand I've been reinstated. This is Outcasting, and we're talking with Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum about the relationship between LGBT individuals and religion. Rabbi Kleinbaum is a recipient of the Woman of Valor Award given by the Jewish Fund for Justice. The Forward, a national Jewish weekly newspaper, and Newsweek have both named Rabbi Kleinbaum as one of the top 50 American rabbis. New York Jewish Week, another publication, named her as one of the 45 leading young American Jewish leaders in New York. She has been an activist since her college years. Rabbi Kleinbaum, what kind of work do you do in the Jewish community regarding LGBT rights? Well, I do lots of different kinds of work. First of all, um, by being the most visible synagogue community in the tri-state area, um, we've, we're known to every all different Jewish communities within this tri-state area. So I am often asked to speak at synagogues or at the federations or in different communities about issues related to GLBT rights. Today, in fact, we just had a program that we invited rabbis from all different synagogues as well as clergy from mosques and from churches to engage in a study program that we set up to understand more deeply the crisis facing New York right now for queer homeless youth. 3,800 teenagers every single night are sleeping on the streets of New York City. Tonight, 3,800. And the estimate is 40% of them are LGBT and queer. And many of them have been thrown out of their homes because they're gay, or they are forced out of their communities, and they end up living on the street. So we're tr- at CBST, we're trying to un- uh, organize other gay leaders to take a stand about these kids and make sure um, the budget, which uh, has been so devastated by this terrible economy and the cuts which have been made, that we can uh, raise money and increase the allocations for the for these services to these kids. This is a religious issue. Rabbi Kleinbaum, before we started this interview, you said you were on the phone with City Hall in regards to the issue you just yes. mentioned. Do you think you've found support for this issue in City Hall? Uh, I do. I think people want to do the right thing. The problem is this is a very tough economy, and the budget is, you know, where the federal government is giving less money to the state. The state is giving less money to the city. It's a really tough economy. We all know that. The question is, how do we determine what the priorities are? And these kids are so vulnerable, and they have no one to advocate for them, and they're not a big political force, so they're expendable from the perspective of those who put together the city budget. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg just cut the budget uh, uh, drastically 
not just uh, cut the budget by almost uh, 60%, um, of the number of beds that we need for these kids to have a safe place to sleep at night. And this is something that uh, we have to fight. And only if City Hall and, the, and Albany hears from those of us who um, care deeply um, will something happen. Do you think that LGBT youth are overrepresented amongst the homeless? Yes, there's no question about it. Um, we see the conservative numbers that 40% of the homeless youth are LGBT. And um, I think it's for any number of reasons, but most significantly, many of them are thrown out of their homes. Also, kids come to New York from all over the country. If they're thrown out of their homes in Ohio or in Kansas, they get on a bus and come to New York. And these are kids who are really at risk. Many of them have been thrown out of foster care homes once they come out as gay or queer. And they then end up on those streets, and many of them have to turn to sex work in order to even have a place to sleep or a place to ha- There's just not enough. Of these 3,800 kids that are sleeping on the street, the city has about 250 shelter beds. And the budget that's now been proposed is cutting that number of beds down to 90 that's for 3,800 kids. It's uh, it's really um, it's really a, it's not it's criminal, and I think it's also sinful. And we must uh, take care of these kids. They're our kids. If the city of New York doesn't have enough bed for the, these homeless youth, where could someone look to find the funds or the resources in order to acquire these beds? Well, I think the city does have enough money, and it's a matter of making this a priority, and that's what we're demanding. And the state is the city and state together. Um, so that's what we're working on very, very much. How do you think your sexual orientation has affected your relationship with different parts of the Jewish community? That's an excellent question. I think for, uh, I, you know, I live my life as I live my life, and I'm happy to work with anybody who's willing to work with us. And... Um, I think for some people, as I described from my yeshiva high school, uh, it created a crisis for the school because there, the school was very concerned that my being well-known as an openly lesbian rabbi, um, first of all, I'm a woman rabbi, that's a difficult issue, and an openly lesbian person who says this, not only am I not ashamed of it, but I think I think that one can live a holy, a sanctified life equally as a gay person or as a straight person. It depends how other choices people make, not the not the sexual orientation, rather, but the spiritual orientation of any given relationship or of the values that we choose to live our lives. So for them, there's tremendous concern that public knowledge and connection would hurt both their fundraising and their recruitment to the school because of um, many of their values as an Orthodox institution. What gives you the most gratification from being an LGBT advocate in a religious community? I really believe the shift that we've seen in these last years since I started this work gives me tremendous gratification. When I talk to a young person who tells me that they uh, heard me speak or that they knew the synagogue existed gave them strength, or they respond to my video of my It Gets Better video, which I get tremendous response from. 
Uh, it's very deeply moving to me. And we're creating a global community of people, gay and straight, young and old, who are saying we want young people to grow up whole and healthy and develop a healthy sexuality of whichever orientation it is, to evolve into healthy adult relationships, to choose or not to have children and have healthy relationships with those children. All these things, it makes it all worthwhile when I hear from a kid or a person what what the existence of CBST has done for them. Very deeply moving. We have one young person who told us that every day, every week, he would check to make sure that the Shabbat services were happening at CBST, even when he was too young to get here himself. Until he was old enough to travel into the city and come to services, just knowing that there was a queer Jewish community that welcomed gay and straight uh, gave him strength to get through adolescence. And then he was old enough, he could travel into the city on his own and actually become part of the community. That makes it all worthwhile to me. I'm glad that you've made and that CBST has made such a significant difference in the lives of young people who today have to go through so much just to get through to the next day. Yeah. Are there other religious organizations that support the fight for LGBT equality? There are lots now. There, and, and I'd say in every religious community, there is some group involved in the fight for LGBT rights. And it's now become understood to be a human rights issue. Um, and in different religious communities, there's a different, there are different issues, some different issues. But I see in every single religious community I know, whether it's a conservative or a liberal one, there are people within those traditions fighting for the full equality of LGBT people. Are there any individuals that you admire in this area? Well, there are many people I admire. I'm lucky that I get to be surrounded by some of the great heroes of not only our generation, but of people who have been doing work for a long time. Uh, one of them that I admire is Kate Bornstein. She's been a great thinker and leader and a, a creative uh, human being whose work has been very, very inspiring to me. This is Outcasting, and we're talking with Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum about the relationship between LGBT individuals and religion. Rabbi Kleinbaum is a recipient of the Woman of Valor Award given by the Jewish Fund for Justice. The Forward, a national Jewish weekly newspaper, and Newsweek have both named Rabbi Kleinbaum as one of the top 50 American rabbis. New York Jewish Week, another publication, named her as one of the 45 leading young American Jewish leaders in New York. She has been an activist since her college years. Rabbi Kleinbaum, do you work with people who aren't members of your synagogue, CBSD? Oh, yes. We work with all different people and communities. We're very actively engaged in all different kinds of co coalition work and partnerships. I believe very much that life is about being connected to those who are like you and people who are very different, and uh, to do that in all different kinds of work. What organizations are you partnering with? Well, it depends on what issues. Right now we're working very much. We've created a organization called Shelter of Peace, and people can find out about it, shelterofpeace.org, uh, which is uh, referring to the shelter of peace that we talk about in our liturgy that we want to cover even those marginal and at-risk LGBT runaway and homeless youth. Um, and in that organization, we have partners from all the different social service, ag 
service agencies in the city who serve uh, LGBT uh, homeless youth, like the Alley Fournay Center, Grim, Green Chimneys, all these different organizations, as well as many, many, many different churches and synagogues and mosques that are interested in being involved. And it's a broad coalition of many different kinds of organizations, uh, religious communities, and clergy. What do you think is the biggest change CBST has made for the better? I think the biggest change is the radical redefinition of what it means to be a Jew. And I think it's not... When CBST was formed, started for, in 1973, not a single Jewish organization uh, believed in the equality of gay people. Not a single Jewish organization had a resolution that supported the full equality of gay people or even said there should be no discrimination. It was simply assumed that everybody was straight in the Jewish world. And when people came out in the early 70s and were Jewish, they had to leave the Jewish world. CBST has been a part of a movement in these last 40 years in which that has completely changed. All three non-Orthodox movements, the Reform, Reconstructionist, and Conservative movements, now accept openly gay candidates to be clergy and accept and advocate for the marriage of same-sex couples. And CBST has been a very big player in changing the attitudes of those movements and of the Jewish world in general. What other type of social justice work have you done? I'm very involved in issues uh, that, that concern me deeply about our city here in New York, of urban issues that center on questions of racial and economic justice and um, thinking about how that plays out in our community. I care very deeply about the issues of conflict between uh, the Palestinians and Israel and have been very involved in uh, advocating for a just solution for all the peoples of that region. Mm. And we care very deeply here at CBST and in my own life about the environment and uh, our stewardship of the earth, which God has given us to take care of, and I'm afraid we're not doing such a great job. So those are some of the issues that we're very involved with here at CBST. What would you say to people who think that religion and the fight for LGBT equality don't go together? Well, I think religion goes together with everything, and I do believe it's true that religion has been the source of some of the worst oppression of LGBT folks, and but that only inspires me that it should be a source of liberation. What would you say to young people who are struggling with either their sexual orientation or their gender identity? I would say it's a righteous struggle, and it's they should... Um, surround themselves with people who will reflect back to them the best of who they are and who they can be and make sure that they're surrounded by voices of love and support. And if they don't have that immediately available, to find it in other places and uh, make sure that the people who are around them uh, include some voices of love and support. Thank you so much for joining us, Rabbi Kleinbaum. You're very welcome. It's a, it's an honor for me, and good luck to you and all of your work. Thank you, and the same to you. Thank you. Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum of Congregation Bet Simcha Torah, an LGBT synagogue located in New York City. Rabbi Kleinbaum is a recipient of the Woman of Valor Award given by the Jewish Fund for Justice. The Forward, a national Jewish weekly newspaper, and Newsweek have both named Rabbi Kleinbaum 
as one of the top 50 American rabbis. New York Jewish Week, another publication, named her as one of the 45 leading young American Jewish leaders in New York. This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ youth issues. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH-FM 90.3, in Ossining, New York, and on the net at wdfh.org. Next, we will hear from Maddie about her experiences with stereotypes. When I was 15 years old, I had this black, curly, almost stupidly long, absurd mess of hair. That summer, during a phase where I only listened to the strokes and gave myself Sharpie tattoos, I cut it all off. Think like Winona Ryder in the 90s, minus the romance with Johnny Depp. I was thrilled with the result, but I didn't really anticipate how others would react. Let me state for the record that I stopped really caring what others thought about me a year earlier, in eighth grade. Middle school was ending, and I got super into indie music and activism and all that jazz. I didn't want to be a part of the system. I didn't want the man to keep me down. So when I cut my hair, it made me feel independent and really in control of my body and my appearance, which I loved. I got mostly positive reactions. People seemed to like it. Then a few days after the new school year started, I was leaving health class. Two guys were talking behind me, and I didn't like what I heard. Why would she do that to her hair? One of them said. The other said, I don't know, man. I think she's some kind of dyke now. I'd been bullied before, of course. Almost everyone is. But this was different. Let's break this down. First, you cannot equate sexuality with hairstyles. I could dye my hair rainbow and buzz the words giant lesbian into the back of my head, and it wouldn't make me a lesbian. That's not how it works. Second, I'd like to address the word dyke. I'm a straight girl and have been all my life, so I haven't really had this word used against me before. According to Wikipedia, dyke is slang terminology referring to a lesbian or lesbianism. It originated as a derogatory label for masculine woman, and sometimes the word is still used that way. Now, there's obviously nothing offensive about being masculine, a woman, a lesbian, or all of them at once. So you see where the problem is. I wasn't offended that these guys had called me a dyke. I was offended that they thought it was a bad thing. Before then, my sexuality had never been questioned. And so I have to wonder if it had to do with my appearance. I believe that we make judgments about people based on the way they look, before anything else. That's just in our nature. What's important is separating our preconceived notions from the way people really are. Sometimes I like to dress in all black and wear heavy makeup and give people brooding looks. You would never guess that in my spare time, I also like to dance around to early Hillary Duff songs and bedazzle the heck out of anything I can get my hands on. But back to the point. When you treat sexuality, and appearance for that matter, as something to be ashamed of, not only does it make no sense, it creates and perpetuates the idea that being who you are is something to be ashamed of. And that is nonsense. Sexuality does not equal gender, and gender does not equal appearance. Ultimately, I think that people should be able to be whoever they want, do whatever they want to do, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And I don't think my short hair harms anyone, but calling me names for and certainly does. So to those two guys, and anyone who uses gender, sexuality, race, or other personal traits as an insult, please educate yourself and think before you speak. That's it for this edition of Outcasting. 
the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite 90s cartoons, where you don't have to be queer to be here. If you are having trouble, whether it's at home, at school, or just with yourself, call the Trevor Project Lifeline at 866-488-7386 or visit them online at thetrevorproject.org. The Trevor Project is an organization dedicated to LGBTQ youth suicide prevention. Again, the number is 866-488-7386. Being different isn't a reason to hate or hurt yourself. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH-FM 90.3 in Ossining, New York, and on the net at wdfh.org. For more information on this program and a list of resources, including the Trevor Project Hotline, visit us at wdfh.org and click on Outcasting. I'm Travis. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next time. If you enjoyed this program, please make a tax-deductible gift to WDFH. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit wdfh.org and click on Donate. Thanks.